Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our program. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up independent TD, Deputy Michael Fitzmaurice on hedge cutting deadline extension requirement. Potential impact of the virus on China trade. Clonakilty Agricultural College Principal, Mr Keith Kennedy, details of the Careers Open Day taking place on Friday 6th of March. IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman Tom Phelan said, while appreciating the real impact of COVID-19, the virus, international traders might seek to overplay it for commercial leverage. Mr Phelan said this should not be allowed to affect February milk price decisions negatively, especially when the wet and stormy 2020 calving season is increasing costs and workload for farmers. Recent milk price decisions by Fonterra and Arla, amongst others, suggest that modest growth of global milk supplies continues to underpin their price expectations. IFA Animal Health Committee Chairman Mr Pat Farrell said the knackery situation is at a critical stage now and it requires urgent action by the Minister and his officials. Mr Farrell in a statement said the Department of Agriculture is legislatively bound to ensure an efficient and competitive infrastructure be available to all farmers. The current infrastructure through the licensed knackeries is failing to deliver this service. The scheme announced recently fails to reduce the cost of disposal for farmers and its voluntary nature doesn't provide a guaranteed collection service for farmers. IFA Connacht Regional Chairman Mr Pat Murphy said the widespread flooding of farmland is putting a serious strain on farmers. He said the forecast into the current weekend is not good with more rain to fall in areas which are already saturated. He said it would add to the pressures that farmers are experiencing as they work to keep their livestock safe. Mr Murphy put forward a number of actions to provide practical support for farmers. The implementation of the Farmyard Relocation Scheme provided by the OPW and administered by the Department of Agriculture. The fast tracking of relief works at pinch points with increasing funding. Chagask to set up clinics in the worst affected areas, which would indemnify farmers who need fodder and also set up a scheme to deliver fodder. Support services to safeguard the mental health of those impacted by flooding. He claimed that farmers don't often realise that a relocation scheme actually exists. The department, he said, had to increase awareness of this relocation scheme so that farmers with flooded land could apply. The relief works have to be carried out in a manner that alleviates the problem at pinch points, but does not impact 
on landowners further down the river. Part of a statement from the IFA Connacht Regional Chairman, Mr Pat Murphy. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has issued a call for proposals under the 2020 Rural Innovation and Development Fund, RIDF, for food waste reduction in rural areas. €300,000 in funding. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Fellam O'Neill, Global Market Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal, based in Brussels for part of each week usually. Fellam, welcome to the programme. Now the coronavirus, what implications could this virus have for the global food and agri-economy and more importantly for the Irish agri-sector? I suppose, John, uh, up until this point, uh, coronavirus has been very much an issue about human health. And, of course, it has arrived on to the island of Ireland this week uh, on a a flight back from Italy uh, into Dublin and then going on to the north. So uh, the reality is everyone so far is focused on what this can do for human health, uh, not just in Ireland, of course, but across the world. Uh, I suppose in the Farmers' Journal, we have been looking at this very much from the what are the implications for agriculture, for international trade, uh, and ultimately then for Irish farmers, because uh, the product that comes off our farms in Ireland, uh, 90% of it goes outside the island of Ireland, and an increasing amount of that is going beyond the UK, indeed even the European Union, into the wider world, particularly into Asia, uh, where this outbreak has, has first started. And uh, we've looked at it um, section by section. And uh, for Irish dairy exports uh, and for Irish pig meat exports, China would be the second most important market, actually, after the UK. So we're directly doing business in there. Now, from what we gather is the market uh, and the demand is OK, but there's the issue of logistics. Uh, and, and that is basically getting the product uh, from uh, Ireland onto the sea, into the containers, and then into the port at the other side. And what we're hearing is that there's a big backlog at, I suppose, Chinese and, and other Asian ports with ships waiting to dock, uh, with containers waiting to be offloaded. And that's because, really, uh, the effect of the virus is that a lot of places are working at a fraction of their capacity. So unloading ships is taking longer. And that means then the containers are tied up for longer and you have that flows back down the line as uh, it's like, a, I suppose, a bump on a, on a major motorway. Uh, the build-up of traffic causes, creates a log jam that takes hours to clear. And in this case here, it takes longer for ships to clear. So directly then, that uh, would, ha- would have, a, a, if we have this uh, disease or virus, uh, if the effect of it lasts more than a few weeks or a couple of months, uh, the longer it lasts, basically, the greater the, the, the chaos becomes. And even though we're sending very small amounts of beef and no sheep meat at all, uh, the fact that it can impact the Irish market indirectly because what can happen there is South America would supply huge quantities of beef to the Chinese market. And if they have trouble getting that product in there, well, then the European Union's their next choice. Uh, similarly with sheep meat, uh, New Zealand is the number one supplier of sheep meat into China. Uh, but the reality is they have a huge 228,000 tariff-free quota from the Union. They only filled half of that last year. So again, if they have difficulties getting into China, well then you can visualise very quickly that their sheep meat comes to Europe. So every part of Irish agriculture is exposed to the knock-on effects of the coronavirus. And, you know, it hasn't impacted, thankfully, farm gate prices in any way yet. 
I suppose what we flagged up in the paper this week's a warning. Uh, and if you look around at stock markets, whether it's in uh, airline shares or anything else, they've taken a huge hit this week. So I suppose it would be, it's one of those things we're hoping doesn't come to pass. We're hoping the virus resolves itself and brought under control. Uh, but we feel it's something that we certainly is a threat that we should flag up. Now, pygmies, for once in a lifetime or even longer, it would appear that the Chinese market has proven to be a greater boost for Irish pygmeat producers. Of course, that's linked to the tragedy of uh, African swine fever in China, which caused the destruction of so much of the Chinese national herd. But pygmies, the indications are, of course, that pygmies, hopefully that uh, market will continue and access will be guaranteed and won't be badly hit by this scenario we are, you know, trying to calculate. Yeah, you, you correctly identified, John, the, the issue of African swine fever in China. That has basically had a serious hit on Chinese uh, domestic production. Uh, the latest estimates that we have uh, picked up are that it will be down 18 million tonnes this year. Now, all of the pig meat that's traded in global markets is about 10 million tonnes, so uh, if every kilo of that was redirected to China, it, it, it still wouldn't meet the short, shortfall that they have. Uh, and like the European Union, Ireland in particular, have enjoyed uh, very strong farm gate prices on the back of that. Like uh, If we go back to this time last year, uh, Irish pig meat prices on average were uh, below 136, 138 a kilo. Uh, now they're up at around 185 a kilo. Pig farmers have had uh, their best spell in a long, long time. Many would tell you, of course, that it was desperately needed. Uh, but certainly the pig meat sector has been uh, one of the most profitable in Irish agriculture over recent weeks and months. Uh, how can that be sustained in the future? Well, look, the bottom line is there's a very, very clear demand for it. And just going back to the previous point that we were discussing there, the, the issue now is can we maintain the supply lines to continue servicing that market throughout uh, the, the period of this virus. And, and on that, I suppose, depends whether or not the Irish pig price can hold uh, over the weeks and the months ahead. And the dairy sector, we are sponsored by Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, so obviously we will be deeply concerned regarding the impact on dairy exports. But looking at the journal, the figure you quote there for China, China is Ireland's third largest export market for dairy, importing a massive 584 million euro worth of Irish dairy last year. So very, very important. Very much so, John, and forecast to be a growing market as well. Uh, you know, we've had uh, we have the the mix, the full range of products going in there from uh, milk powders to infant formula, the lot. Uh, China, I suppose, in Asia has been a rapidly developing market over the past decade, or indeed even this past two decades. And as the Chinese middle class have grown in number and with more uh, greater disposable income, uh, and and again, I suppose there's a legacy issue as well uh, of and. Chinese product not or Chinese customers and consumers not trusting the domestically produced product to the extent that they trust imported product. It's almost the reverse of what we might experience in Ireland or indeed in many European markets where uh, I suppose consumers will always have more of a suspicion of the import than they will of the domestic production. It's a reverse case uh, in China because the melamine scare we back a number of years ago in, in, the, in the infant formula section. So Irish dairy produce enjoys an absolutely superb reputation in China. Uh, Bourbia, of course, uh, as well as the companies, have a presence on the ground there. Uh, and that story has been told as a story that's been heard. Uh, and that has been uh, a growing market. And, uh, you know, 
again, anything that would threaten that or, or make supplying it more difficult is, 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 I suppose, where the risk is from an Irish dairy point of view. Now, we haven't had any negative consequences so far. Uh, I know the dairy companies would be concerned. They'd be watching it very, very closely. And uh, in terms of uh, all, all large corporations these days have a risk register, and I've no doubt that uh, all of them would be pulling down their risk register and they would be definitely looking at this as a very, very serious threat to business. Uh, again, to come back to the point, uh, we don't know. I suppose part of the scare of the whole coronavirus question is that no one simply knows how long it will take to bring it under control. If it is managed to be contained and brought under control uh, within weeks or even a couple of months, well, then you can see how we get through it and, and can survive okay. But as of today, you know, we look at it, we see more cases being found across Europe, across the world, uh, down into New Zealand now as well. And I suppose the fear is that this becomes a, a widespread global issue. And with that, it brings serious inconvenience, serious disruption to trade, serious disruption to life. Like, you know, if we think back to the foot and mouth the issue of 2001 and what that done in terms of sporting fixtures and, and gatherings of crowds just within Ireland and Remember, that was a disease that was uh, isolated to, I suppose, Britain and Ireland. If we're looking at something that's a global issue here, well, then the effect that that can have, I suppose, on the wider operation and function of society, it, it is quite frightening. On page 22 of the Irish Farmers Journal for Saturday, 29th of February, 2020, it's all there, the global focus, uh, coronavirus, what it means for agriculture, and you have the sector-by-sector analysis plus a long comment. But uh, the last sector, and again, our sponsor, Dairy Gold, would be involved in this grain. That is also an issue, and I suppose it's something in, in Irish farming because at the end of the day, our dairy sector and our livestock sectors are very much the, the big volume and the dominant players. Uh, but we do have a tillage industry as well, and we do have a very important animal feed uh, industry, That and, and we have quite a big trade in, in grain, uh, both on, on the import and the export scene. We have also, uh, and now in some of our smaller uh, niche uh, whiskey manufacturers, uh, some of them will, will dedicate themselves to Irish grain. So grain is a sector that's not to be overlooked, and sometimes is in, in Irish farming. But at a global level, and, and the same rules that apply, I suppose, to the to the meat trade of the different types of meat and the dairy produce trade in relation to China, the, the same thing is applicable in grain because, again, huge quantities of grain uh, move across the oceans. That involves ships, that involves containers, uh, and that, that involves basically the logistics of getting ships into docks, getting the grain cargo unloaded, and the ship getting out again to do its next business. And uh, with the backlog at Chinese ports, then the grain sector, the same as every other sector, is to some extent exposed. Mr. Fellamon, in Global Market Special Space in Brussels most of the week. Fellam, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. A pleasure as always. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. There's been an urgent call for an extension to the hedge-cutting deadline of the end of this month, effectively this weekend. An extension of a month is required if farmers are going to have any chance of getting some hedge-cutting done on their land if the weather should turn in their favour. With more on this demand, Deputy Michael Fitzmaurice, TD, Independent TD. In every county right across the country over the last six to eight weeks, they've experienced heavy rainfall and... um, in most counties, there is large areas of what we would call marginal-type land, uh, heavy land that is actually saturated at the moment uh, with the amount of rain we've got over the last number of weeks. And um, unfortunately, the, be it the contractors or be it the farmers with their own headquarters, um, to basically comply with uh, some uh, environmental schemes or for safety, uh, we're unable to travel on this land because of the ground conditions of the poaching of land. Um, and I am asking, and I've called on be it the Minister for Arts, Heritage and the Gaelic, and I believe the Minister for Agriculture could get involved, uh, to extend the hedge-cutting season. Um, and I know the argument will be put about building nests, but if you're working next week, um, the won't the nests won't be built uh, in time. So I think that there's a window of opportunity because of the kind of the amount of rain we've got uh, in clement weather that they would they should facilitate the farming community around the country. This isn't just in one county. This is affecting north, south, east, and west um, to help them get on top of work that hasn't been done, that needed to be done. As I understand it, the end of this month, I think the end of this month, is that the deadline for allowing hedges to be cut? The end of February, the 1st of March, is the deadline, um, so that's every year, and it would be helpful if that deadline was extended by a couple of weeks to see, look at maybe in the next couple of weeks the rain will keep coming, that they won't be able to work. But at the moment, conditions do not facilitate uh, the working of the be the tractors uh, with the hedge cutters on them in a lot of parts of the country, especially you know in your own county there. There is parts of it that is as heavy a land or marginal type land as you know any other part. And I think we need to uh, try and facilitate these farmers as best we can. 
And certainly in our own area in the Duhallow region, the land there can be very heavy and the rainfall might in fact be the record uh, highest rainfall right across the island of Ireland, the Duhallow region there. That would apply very much to farmers in the Duhallow region. Most parts of Cork seem to have escaped the very worst of flooding just to confirm what your constituency would be and whether you've been impacted badly by flooding, the type of thing we see on television, the heartbreaking situations there we see. Well, first of all, um, my name is Common Galway, it's in the west of Ireland. Um, and in fairness to farmers from around the country, and I want to make this very clear, in, um, you know, with people impacted uh, by their bales being damaged, um, or problems where water would have gone in and flooded the hay might be in the in the bottom of a shed or whatever. Um, in fairness to farmers around the country, they are very uh, united. Where you know farmers in all parts, north, south, east, and west, have offered further. That's not the the main problem uh, at the moment. But you know, twenty percent of the water, River Shannon rises in Cavan. Um, along Leitrim and from there it goes right down to Limerick it meanders through be it um, Longford on one side of it was Scammon um, Galway um, Clare Westmead Offaly um, to, uh, right down to Limerick and um, farmers you know in that area as I said 20% of the water of Ireland goes through that area um, and with the flooding there at the moment Look, at large amounts of land are completely flooded. But um, on top of that, which is uh, more serious even than the land being flooded at the moment, is um, that there are houses under pressure, be it in some of the large built-up urban areas, uh, be it Carrick and Shannon, where businesses are under pressure at the moment, uh, down along to Athlone, where um, there is a lot of houses under pressure, and in fairness, they're pumping as hard as they can there. Um, and you'd have seen in the recent news reports, Clonara down uh, in Clare, um, where, you know, this house is flooded and, the, and there is one-off houses in some areas also flooded in all that line up along. But you also have to remember Gort on the western side of, or on the southwestern side of Galway um, is heavily flooded with some houses, uh, unfortunately not able to keep it out. And that's a major concern. There are schemes, in fairness, some works have been done. Um, and look at, unfortunately, there are schemes held up. I think there's actually one held up in your own county at the moment for a, a, a large or a good while, um, as well as in Clunlara, where people have been objecting to the works getting done, um, so-called under so-called environmental reasons. And I think that we have to put people first um, and make sure that their homes are safe, to put it bluntly. But on top of that, uh, roads and local authorities in all the counties, in fairness, have been proactive. But we, there will be roads that will have to be risen um, because the height of the water is making it passable for be it cars or even jeeps at this stage where some people have to come out, be it... Um, in tractors or a trailer at the moment to get out to look to even do shopping or whatever they need to do um, and that is having a, a severe impact on people. 
Do you think, Michael, we could pick up some tips from the Dutch, from the Netherlands, where much of their country is under sea water level, yet they manage to control things? So the Dutch, and part, I think, of their reasoning has been to make room for rivers, to avoid rivers being pushed out of their natural floodplain areas. So tips from the Dutch, worth considering what the Dutch are doing and learn from the Dutch. Going to other people's countries to try and pick up a few hints, a few tips? Yeah, well, first of all, it's, look, it's a worthwhile exercise for anybody to uh, education. To, you can educate yourself on new ways or existing ways that they may have in other countries of uh, how they deal with uh, water for flooding problems. Um, obviously, in some countries, their, their climate may be a small bit different, uh, that you'd be just holding it out all the time and that have large embankments doing that. The reality, like, we need to pick the low-hanging fruit first in the likes of the Shannon. There's, um, I think, something like 18 to 20 uh, pinch points. Um, and if they were taken out, you would be able to drop the levels uh, by 12 to 14 inches, which would hold a fair bit of water. On top of that, um, there, was, there needs to be things looked at in my opinion, in the, you know, where Bordnemona have left in bog areas where you could have room for what they call room for the river, uh, that you could have an overflow for large rainfalls amounts. Um, there's a lot of different things that needs to be done. But um, the reality is that uh, if you have in rivers cleaned and if you have in rivers um say if there isn't up if there's obstacles on rivers to throw the force of the water and we need to be getting it moving as fast as possible and we have to be bear in mind that the likes of the shannon is a slow flowing river um so you may have to look at like options of if there's other rivers near limerick that you'd turn them out to the sea in a different area um also where you may have to dig an extra channel uh, to let water flow um, and also holding water in the likes of Loch Allen. They have tests done or they have date lines done at the moment that if you held the water, if you rose the level, or if you held the water back in Loch Allen, it would save the likes of Carrick and Shannon for 12 to 14 days. And if you do those things uh, by dropping the levels of the Shannon in October to March, um, it would give an opportunity to be able to cater for a lot of the problems. But I think, first of all, we have to make sure um, in built-up areas um, where they're putting in flood prevention measures that the work continues. In fairness, look at, we're dealing with something that was promises made before ever I was born about dredging the Shannon and there was promises made about solving flooding. I do think that it's only in the last four years that we have made any inroads into tackling areas and where works has been done in fairness it has worked and it has been successful but you've got also to be mindful that when you um, put barriers up in an area you push the water on to another place so you need a wider area to make sure that that they're not uh, flooded as well so it's like balancing a scale in my opinion it can be done if you can you know in a lot if you can bring water along a canal that's higher than any fields running along there's no reason why you can't uh, have new ideas or new engineering types of ideas 
that will help in that whole situation of resolving the issue for the betterment of the general public. To look at the rivers involved from start to finish, from the point where they rise to the point where they go into the sea or into a lake or something, if you clear the way for water in one area, it's uh, always at risk that your neighbour or other people further down the river, they're going to get a surge of water. And I think in Germany many years ago, they tidied up rivers and they straightened them out, so to speak. But the result was that water wasn't slowed down and it just rushed in and swept uh, communities away. Make sure you aren't shoving water onto your neighbour and people further down the line. Here, each year, we seem to have these tragic pictures on TV of people washed out of their homes, uh, lands, uh, where they've been for generations. Yeah, well, there's a big, you know, when you see, well, when you talk to the people, uh, they feel helpless. Uh, obviously, this water is coming at you. Uh, you know, they're sandbags. And in fairness, local authorities, they do the best they can. Um, but you feel helpless because uh, if you're sandbags around your house, you don't know, day or night, those people that are under that pressure um, until they don't get much sleep because they're constantly watching pumps because pumps can break down and get blocked and all the different problems. And we have to address uh, the problem uh, from beginning to end. Now, as I said, you won't, the likes of the Shannon, even if you cleaned it, it won't be what you'd call a fast-flowing river because I think it's something, you know, the, 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 the rise in about 200 kilometres or the fall is very little. So it takes a fair while for it to meander through the different areas. But <coughs> there's, there's different gates uh, in places where you can rise levels, drop levels. Um, but also, we need to make sure, you know, for example, the Shannon, it comes through a large area, uh, large areas of, of Cushaway Bog or Bog of Bournemouth ahead. And I'm sure that we could uh, broaden out that, you know, to make, to be able to, uh, let water into it in in high uh, rainfall and then in low rainfall, you know, easily let it out again. But I do think from partying, you know, where we're letting, where where you'll hear about the 370 cube a second going, I think we'll need to get some solution to be able to uh, accommodate more water heading down without damaging uh, premises or, 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 or farms further down and in my opinion that would take an extra look at if you've done 20 or 30 or 40 percent more if you were able to cater for it it would alleviate a lot of the danger um to people say upriver from that which have also to be got to mindful of you know the likes of Limerick and areas like that in, in Galway then in Gart where there is substantial amount of water I know that there's a scheme nearly well, it's going through the, the due diligence. But there is a problem for rural people that um, there's a cost-benefit analysis system for doing works, and while it might add up in some of the cities, there isn't enough account taken in for the farmers that has land flooded for, you know, a good while. Because look, at, let's call a spade a spade here. It does damage to the land if the land is flooded with water for a week or two or three weeks. And I think we have this cost-benefit analysis. We have to basically park it to one side and, and say, are we going to look after the people? Are we going to make sure that be you in a rural or an urban area, we are going to find solutions to get the water out of it um, and put people first, to put it very bluntly, 
rather than, you know, maths doesn't always uh, add up to what a human cost may be. Deputy Michael Fitzmaurice, TD, independent uh, Doyle Deputy for Ross Common and Galway. Thank you very much, Michael. We began by talking about your press release, hedge cutting extension required as heavy ground conditions hamper work. Hopefully your efforts to get an extension beyond this weekend and into March for a few weeks will help people. Spring Education Open Day takes place on Friday the 6th of March at Clonakilty Agricultural College, Clonakilty, also known as Dararo College. It starts 11am. With more on the background to this special Open Day, Mr Keith Kennedy, College Principal, Clonakilty Agricultural College in the west of the county. Keith, welcome to the programme. You might uh, briefly confirm details of when and where your Open Day is taking place and the details of the courses available. We've our Spring Open Day coming up uh, next Friday, uh, the 6th of March. It starts at 11am. Uh, we run two Open Days every year and, and we traditionally have one there the first week of March. So it is a great opportunity for people that are looking ahead to the autumn. What education uh, needs they might have to uh, to come and uh, visit us and, and we'll answer all our questions and we show them all the facilities that are available down here. We have a number of different courses. Generally speaking, they're full-time courses be they the Chagas run courses are the ones that are run in conjunction with the higher level bodies such as CIT, IT, Tralee or UCC they would be uh, for people that are 18, 19, 20 years of age but uh, some of the part-time courses you have lots of people that are in their mid-late 20s um, and even with some of the schemes such as the capital acquisitions tax that encourages people that might be well beyond the age 35 to participate but typically for the, the likes of our full-time courses you're looking at school leavers in, in the main and their parents would be coming to, to visit us so the courses we'd have uh, running next September, we'd have a two-year advanced search in agriculture for full-time people. And um, also there'd be a, an 18-month specific purpose for, for people with non-agricultural qualification. That's also starting next September. Uh, there'd be our two core uh, courses. There's one starting imminently now. It's the uh, it's a part-time course for people over 23 years of age. And that's starting next week. And that's we're running that in conjunction with Cork West. So you know there are advertisements going around. And if there's any last last minute entries to, uh, for that you know you're welcome to contact ourselves or Cork West uh, directly to try and uh, join that course Is there a phone number available? For- well they can contact the college directly at uh, 023-883-2500 or they can contact the offices in, in Skibbereen or uh, McCroom Even if people are looking at alternative diets the, the volume of uh, food that's going to be required into the future is, is going to be increasing uh, year on year so uh we still have a, a key part to play in that, and, and also in, in terms of custodians of the of the environment that are there, like we're the the, the farmers of Ireland are going to be at the forefront of that. So uh, coming to do a course in Clannacilty is going to give people the most up to date information on that. Our research project that's based here uh, in conjunction with Warpark and it looks at dairy uh, cows and milk production. Like it, that has a big focus on you know trying to uh, maintain t- uh, production while farming sustain, be it you know using clover, uh, other ways of uh, minimising and mitigating the, the, the uh, effects that you know farm might have on the environment in terms of water quality and greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, like the farming should you know, should be able to stand up and, and, and uh, be able to show its, you know, uh, how to farm into the future sustainably. For younger people, anyone in fact who wants to find out more about what students would do on one of your courses, I understand a background video of one of the students is available. Yeah, like uh, re- recently we, we got in a student that's currently on placement to come in and uh, he, he spent uh, 
a number of hours with a, a person in, in, in the college and we, we went through what was uh, available on the course. We distilled it down to a short video that uh, people can access on YouTube. If they, I'm going to na- mention his name now. It was James O'Brien. Uh, so if they type in James O'Brien Chagas, it, it'll come up on YouTube. And he just goes through the you know the, the, the merits of, of doing the course and what he's learned. And it's, you know, he's one of the people that would have uh, participated in the, the two-year program uh, that, that we've been running with the last number of years. And uh, you know, we run two versions of that. There's a dry stock uh, based course and a, and a dairy based course and you know the students on that are currently out on placement so uh, they're putting into practice the skills that they've learned in the college over the last year and a half as they as they complete their uh, second year of their course uh, and you know they, we would be showing them all the during those two years we showed them how to farm sustainably with uh, and, and, and efficiently and safely with machinery and livestock so they get a good grounding uh, by coming to Clannacilty and I think uh, James really you know he, it's like you said it's they can see exactly what what he did and and uh, you know what, what what he got from the course up to now and he, he still has to uh, like everyone on the course he still has to go home and put it into practice uh, and and hopefully they'll be successful farmers in the future. Our students that are, we're currently here from uh, Fairfield, like we've got people from North Kerry, uh, mainly from 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 Cork, North Cork, and uh, and some of the other courses we have with that we run in conjunction with CIT and IT Tralee. Uh, those people will be coming from all over Munster and into. Uh, South Leinster and uh, up into the Midlands. So, uh, if anyone wants to contact the college after they've uh, expressed an interest and, and want to join a course with us, you know, we, we can provide them with a, an accommodation list, and um, it's you know they can uh, share uh, accommodation with you know some of their uh, colleagues in the course. And it's you know it's for a lot of them it's their first time away from home, so it's uh, it's an opportunity as was to just develop as adults and and. Uh, um, we work with uh, people in, in the local area as well. That's one of the benefits of some of the people that come down here. They, like our course days would finish generally at four o'clock and uh, some of them can they, they gain employment in the local area as well. And you know, it's the way of, uh, of helping pay for, pay for the course along the way. What's the payment situation, the charges? For our full-time courses there, they, they cost uh, just under €1,000 per year. And for the people on the full-time courses, they can avail of a, a means-tested uh, grant that uh, for people... From a farm background, you know the the uh, that system is a bit more generous than the than the university one because of farm assets and so on. So uh, we would have people that would uh, apply for that when they take up a course, uh, and we would get the details for that for for, for those people. Uh, in terms of the part time courses, just different uh, d- different payment rates. But for the distance course, we currently have it's it's uh, two thousand nine hundred ninety euros, and that's payable upon accepting a place. Uh, so people can. Uh, apply for the course and uh, they would be offered a, offered a place but they don't have to pay fees upon taking up a, a, a place on that course that would be just before the course would begin. Uh, in terms of applying for courses they can go to www.chegas.ie uh, forward slash Clannacilty and that will take them to the to the area that they need to go to to apply for courses. So it's all an online application now for these courses uh, and for the um, full time course they can go online directly and do it now. Uh, for our distance courses, they'd be for people who would have a non-agricultural award uh, already. So these would be people that would may, may have a, a job as a teacher or um, they may have a trade or, or whatever it might be. It's non-agricultural background. Uh, an application window for that is going to open up on the 16th of March and uh, they, they can apply there. And upon being offered a place then, uh, you know, and later on as the course uh, is, in, is commencing in September, then they would... Uh, looking for uh, for fees at that stage. Glancing at a print-off page I did earlier, between September and May, 
Students will get foundation training in areas of livestock husbandry, grassland management, farm business and more specific training in areas such as pesticide application and a large emphasis on farm safety, soils, the environment and sustainability and for people who may have an interest in horses. Yeah, there was, there was two uh, sites in Ireland that were, were focused on uh, delivering equine courses uh, up to recently. Now it's based in Kildalton, so if people are interested in, in uh, either stud management or uh, equitation, they should be making contact with, with Kildalton uh, Agriculture College. That's in South Kilkenny. Um, the other types of courses that they might be interested in to do with... Uh, Livestock and uh, the basic levels of you know basic training in, in agriculture, they can all be practiced in, in Clannacilty. And if they uh, wish to diversify into the future, then they can look at courses for year two. Please remind our listeners when your Spring Education Open Day is taking place and the time it starts. Yeah, so like you said, we're on, a, we're on every social platform at this stage. But uh, you know, if they go to Facebook or Twitter, uh, or Instagram, and type in Clannacilty Agriculture College Shagask, you know, they'll, they'll get to it. Our open day, like you said, it's it's on next Friday, uh, the 6th of March. It starts at 11 a.m. Uh, you'll get to see all the, the facilities we have. You know, it's been a busy time of the year, and uh, the, the lads on the farm are going to make, uh, you know, they have to put in a big effort this time of the year, and to put in an open day on top of it uh, can be quite uh, can be quite taxing. So, like, recently we've had uh, 150 cows of calved down, uh, 90% of the sheep flock is lambed in nine days. Uh, the suckler herd is, is calving at the moment, so uh, it's an extremely busy time of the year. But you know, we want to show everyone you know the type of work we do, and it's uh, it's a great opportunity to see that. And you know, if you have young people that you know just want to uh, see what it might be, it might be for them this September, but it might be in in a couple of years' time, and you know they get to see you know what we do and uh, the, the the types of skills they get to learn, talk to the people involved in the enterprises, and uh, you know it's, it's it's a great day out, and hopefully the weather will. Be, be good to us this time around. Last couple of years there, we've had people that have, uh, if some some person has taken it on themselves to organise a class reunion, and uh, you know it's just uh, something that kind of when I when I attend the, these events, it, you know just the people that attend our course, they build friendships and relationships with people that they've endured over the years, and uh, they they fondly talk about the year they spent in in the Ag College back in the seventies or eighties, and uh, they often talk about it, you know it's the best time they they spent. Over the years, which uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to hear, and 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 uh, you know, Jenny, those those events they're filled with laughter and you know and, and good humour. So thank you very much indeed again, Mr. Keith Kennedy, College Principal, Clonakilty Agricultural College in Clonakilty. Thanks, Keith, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And as always, a special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Next, Agri Updates due on this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11 Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 